Hello, Hello Internet. This is Yesy Insight Calling. I'm Ewan Spence. I'm Matt Baker. I am Dude Poir. And this is Jukebox Jury. Coming up, we have the songs from Iceland, from Spain, from Malta, from the Netherlands, from Serbia. All looking for their hit, this or maybe. Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Welcome to the point of the year where everybody goes, oh, now it feels a bit like Eurovision. Yes, Jukebox Jury, bringing you the songs of this year's contest into our little pulpit wood panelled room of excellence, of excitement, of energy, of excoriation, of extinction, and other things that begin with the letter E that I didn't think to look up in a thesaurus before I started this introduction. So I shall just rapidly move on to introduce my guests as well. First up from the second Cherry podcast, actually having to talk about songs that are going to the contest. (laughs) Matt Baker, this is going to be unusual for you, Matt. It is a little bit, yeah. My mind is very much in the national final season, although we do do a little bit. We'll do previews as always. So, uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very much focused on the pre-pre-Eurovision normally. <laughs> For those people who haven't come across the Second Cherry po- podcast, tell us a bit about it. Yeah, so it's basically all the songs that didn't make it to Eurovision. That's why it's called Second Cherry, given songs a second bite of the cherry. It's um, every week we speak about a different national final, pick a song and create an alternative Eurovision. And then at the end of the series, we have a live show where we present the songs, everyone votes. It's all very silly. And um, yeah, we find a winner of the second cherry song contest. Everybody's now going to judge how competent you are and who won last year. Oh, who did win last year? Good question. (laughs) Um, It's your podcast, Matt. You better be building up here. (laughs) Uh, wait, wait a second. Uh, no, no, this bit staying in because we were judging your competency. So you go away, you look that up, and hopefully our next judge is just going to be a little bit more sensible, calm, and collected. Hi, uh, I'm Dudepois from the website dudepois.fun. A popular name popping up on Twitter and uh, some excoriating. Oh, there's another E-word. Oh, right. oh, I've used that one. Right. Uh, back on the website. What are you looking forward to in Eurovision this year? seeing how Liverpool does it. And I'm really excited in all the cultural events that are happening outside Eurovision, the classical music that's coming in. I know that's uh, not something I should be saying about Eurovision. Oh, actually, the thing I'm looking forward to in Eurovision this year are the hats. Lots of good hats so far. So what, we've got a hat from Belgium. We've got a hat from the Netherlands. We don't have a hat from the Netherlands, although we should. I feel like they're a hat country, and and the act feels like a hat act. Like, it feels like they should be wearing Instagram hats, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, Yeah, they should be doing Instagram photo shoots. Uh, I'm thinking also of kind of Ruta Moore, who didn't make it through, but had a fabulous hat. So we've had some some good headwear. Um, France has an amazing hat this year. There's some nice, nice millinery going on. And here is me trying to do a nice blending because we've got the Netherlands coming up in this podcast later. But no, there we go. I'm showing up as being the absolute fraud and not knowing what's coming up either. Matt, have you got that song yet? Who won? Yes, it was Spain, which was um, I Mama by Rigberto Bandini. Oh, there's a surprise. Um, <laughs> actually, no, that's, that's good because you know what song we've got opening up this year? Spain. Spain, yes. We're going to kick off Jukebox Jury with the second winner of the next generation of Benidorm Fest singing Ea 
It's Blanca Paloma. there for Spain, Blanca Paloma. Before we go on to the judging, just want to flag up that Visit Benidorm did cover some of our costs when we covered the Benidorm Fest this year. They're not paying for anything in Jukebox Jury, but just, you know, we'll keep that on board so you can keep that in mind. Uh, dude, they didn't give you any sponsorship, so uh, you can say what you like. Um, And I will say what I like in that. I think the Song is gorgeous. The performance is gorgeous. It's updating flamenco with a little bit of an electronic edge. But then I went and I read the lyrics and I was kind of really disappointed because it's a song from a mother to her son um, and about her love for him being so... uh, she has such love for him that she wants to die and be put in the moon so she can continue to watch out for him on Earth. And I'm disappointed because the song was originally giving a lot of witchy girl power energy to me. So to have it be something that's kind of more traditional and and focused on more traditional gender roles, it takes away a little bit of the magic. Yeah, I actually um, had that, like your original thinking, that it is a a female empowerment. Um, So that's a little bit, bit different take on that I'm, I'm stunned actually um look i have an affinity with spanish euro fans as a uk fan in that we are numerous we are vocal and we know the sharp end of disappointment <laughs> um at eurovision i feel spanish entries especially when they are very spanish have been overlooked over the years since the 90s and 2000s especially i think if you look at go back and there's bandido and maybe dima who they they're 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 successes um and last year was a bit of a breakthrough with chanel and slow-mo but those successes have all got pop sort of infused in them um and aya is full-blown as you said full-blown flamenco new flamenco uh, but there's, it's not very pop sounding to the wider European ear and it's quite harsh sounding. And I worry that Spain doing Spain might hurt its chances a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Matt, I see your point on that one. And it's such a contrast this year with Portugal because in my Eurovision cliche head. Portugal is always the one that sends the big, this is for Portugal. We don't care what anybody else thinks. We've sent something that represents us. Portugal this year has kind of done that. But Mimi Cat is just a little ball of adrenaline and fun. We will come to that in a later jukebox story. So I shall keep my powder dry a little bit on that one. But Spain, it's very rot. It's very serious. Any other year at Jukebox Dre would have said it looks a bit po-faced, but that is just inviting trouble this year. And what I am going to do is I'm going to bring up my, you know, okay, Eurovision cliche bingo from you, and here we go. It's a great song. I'm not sure it's a competitive song. Going off what both of you have said, I would 
see that there are some issues with it. I'm thinking here of Poland a couple of years ago um, when they sent um, Tulia with their white voice, voice entry. Again, a song I absolutely loved, but for the Saturday night viewer, it was something that just didn't connect. I mean, it's always a curious cliche for me because this has went through a national final. It has proven to be a competitive song in Spain. Uh, it won the telly vote. It won the jury vote. It was second in the demoscopic. A song in a Spanish national final, which is very Spanish by doing New Flamenco, connects much more than, than what it might connect to someone listening in Dusseldorf. Spain has had this lovely new dawn, much like the United Kingdom has through Chanel and Slow Mo. And they've went, we're Spain! And they've sent something that is very different. And, you know, it's like the difficult second album, and I worry that this is going to just... That enthusiasm that the Spanish media, the Spanish record industry has suddenly found, I hope this isn't hasn't been sacrificed because of whatever drove this to victory. Yeah, I think it is very much Spanish fans voting. I mean, there is obviously uh, uh, different votes. Like you said, there's a demoscopic vote and there was a jury vote. And I think uh, this is why they have that, that international jury element to Benidorm Fest, where this song was selected, just to maybe temper some of that, I don't know, Spanish pride, which is, which is exactly what was driving this song. Um, I'm not Spanish and I'm proud of it. <laughs> you know, it got me um, f for all these reasons that I'm saying that it's I'm, I worry, I worry for it. It's because it's my second place. I absolutely adore this song and I like the harshness of it. And Paloma, she's got bags of character. She can sing incredibly well um, on it, like on on cue, just absolutely just out of the blue, just sing flawlessly. It's, I take your point there, dude, about the, the song themes. I, I thought it was more female ancestry and the power behind that. I, I, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to stick with it. That's what I get from the song because that's the, that's the positive that I take from that. Um, but I worry about the vote and how this is going to translate into votes, as you say, on a Saturday night. Having said that, though, I think... The one thing that does come across is the authenticity. This act is authentic through and through with her voice, with her performance. And we don't see that with some of the other acts this year. And if you look at who's been winning Eurovision the past two years, it are it, it it's these acts that have something special about them, something different about them. So I think her chances could be better because this is going to be unlike anything else you see on the stage Saturday. And one of the advantages of being a big five on Saturday is everybody going through the semi-finals is going through a hundred percent televote. Once you get to the grand final, you're fifty percent jury, fifty percent televote. So you can make up a huge amount of your score just by targeting the juries and letting the televote votes land wherever they land. I think this is a good strategy for Spain to look at, which is push to the juries, take the choreography, which is absolutely stunning and little push the, the fact that matt and dude and myself have probably taken three different interpretations of this song and that's art and that's wonderful so i think that there is something there because there's going to be this bias towards t television friendly songs coming at the semi-final there's going to be fewer of these massive artistic moments 
when we get to the final. Whether that's good for the Eurovision Song Contest or not is a discussion for another time. But I think it does give Spain a little bit of an advantage in that one. And I think that is enough for me to push that up into a maybe on this one. You know, notwithstanding that I think it will struggle to connect with televoters on a Europe-wide scale, I think it can connect with the juries who are just going to just take an extra beat and realise everything else that's going on here. So for me, it is a maybe. I'd say it would be, personally, uh, for the performance, it's a hit. On the night, a maybe. Yeah, I think, what would I say? Personally, it's clearly a hit. Do I think it will be a hit? Uh, I'm going to go with hit because I think it deserves it. So let's go with that for it's sure. It's your second spot, Matt. Yeah, well, exactly. It, it has to be. It has to be a hit. <laughs> it's got to be there. We can give that. And it's okay because do you remember <laughs> that guide of what exactly hit, miss, and maybe means? No, you don't because no, we don't yeah. have one. <laughs> the guide is what do you think? We've left this deliberately vague. It's almost like you're here for the discussion and not the final rating that goes up on Metacritic. There we go. Two maybes and a hit there for Spain. Kicks off Jukebox Jury for this week, and we're going to carry on our musical tour around the world. We're going to carry on going west, so there's not many options here. Uh, so um, shall we go for Portugal or shall we go for Iceland? Let's go for Iceland, because you heard the start of the show and you didn't hear Portugal being mentioned. You did hear Iceland. <laughs> That's the power of preemption. Iceland's Dilia there winning through Song Vikepnin with Power. Dude. I think Power is a fun song, but it actually reminds me a lot of um, Iceland's, I think, 2017 entry, Paper by Svala, where you have two blonde women with big voices in big, big pantsuits, oversized pantsuits, just belting it out on stage. Um, this one's a little more upbeat and poppy. I appreciate that it's a good breakup anthem, but um, it's kind of mid of the pack for me this year. Yeah, I don't. I think there's a drop there, isn't there? I think you know um, it, the song puts me in mind of early Becky Hill. So, uh, if those who don't know, it's a UK vocalist. Uh, she's won two Brit Awards, a dance vocalist, and so it, uh, that that drum and bass beat puts me in mind of some of her early stuff, and. Um, I think it goes down well in the, in a big hall. Um, lots there's lots of white space in between sort of the vocal in this, and the problem I have with that is that she's doing lots of filler um, movements on stage. She's kicking the air, she's travelling around the stage, which I think is all great. Trying to build up interest of what's going on stage during these white space moments, and I feel like that's not quite working as it is from that national final performance put her on the Eurovision stage, much bigger stage. It's going to need slightly choreo sort of being put into that to make it more visually interesting, um, which I do think is a point that needs to be erased because semi-final two has lots of energy and visual potential. I'm worried it will get lost 
So, especially in the year that it's a, you know, televote only qualification, I, I worry a little bit about that for this. I was also a concern if you go back and look at Svala's performance in paper, which I did recently, she's very static on stage and kind of relies on the screens to do everything, but do kind of feel that restriction is sitting in here with Dilia as well. For me, I think the song just, the, the first 60 seconds, it's like three different styles of song trying to work out where it wants to be. You're starting off with a song that, just to me is typified by uh, a mournful woman sitting down with her legs tucked underneath her just going oh oh i've got to be sad until i reach the jury note and then the jury note kicks in and it's you you hold no power over me which by the way is a fantastic lyric i love the idea behind that and all of a sudden it changes and then you have the dance beat coming in again and you know that lovely sort of twisting should appeal to me each of those elements is so comfy that the whole thing, when it comes to the end of it, just doesn't, it feels like there's another gear in this song. And I think, dude, that's what I was trying to say about their big moments. Yeah, there are rises, there are falls, there are peaks, and there are troughs, but I want those peaks to be peakier. I want those troughs to be troughier. I, I want to feel the roller coaster of the emotions that Dilly is going through here. And if it weren't in English from the Icelandic version, you wouldn't pick that up. You wouldn't pick up the, the things about power. It For me, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, this sounds like a fun and poppy song, not knowing what the lyrics were about. And I don't think switching it into English and adding that kind of comprehension adds anything to the song necessarily. Um, yeah. I will say, though, there is something about the theme of the song and this, you know, um, uh, the jumping around she's jumping around stage and it's like it's a freedom it's letting go of someone who may or may not have been toxic i love that side of it i think that stuff they could lean into choreograph that more maybe think about what we what we're seeing through the the square of this tv screen um and maybe there's something you could do with that it's a good point because she's a solo performer is she going to get lost on the big stage if it's just her and her kind of enthusiasm and an oversized suit. I think she might. Um, so it definitely needs something else. Uh, yeah, and I think that's going to come with the, the the visual element. I think the song's there. Her vocal's the vocal. It's it's okay. It's uh, but it's how how are we going to present this? Because and this is the thing, you know, Iceland. It's a small uh, national final, so it's a small stage. They did what they had to do, but you've got. Uh, You've got quite an experienced head of delegation for Iceland who will control things a little bit. And so you would think that when it when they translate it to the big stage of Eurovision, they would have the expertise like, well, okay, where well, let's start again, what can we do? I'm hoping that's the case with them. If this makes it through the final on Saturday night, I am guessing that on Twitter there's gonna be a lot of pa 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 pick up a penguin jokes. In my house, where I do live with a British person, the pick up a penguin has been sung to the tune of power over and over again. So I have that slight personal thing against the song. For, for our international listeners, penguins are a bit like Tim Tams. <laughs> That's not narrowing it down, Ewan. That's not helping. <laughs> yes, it is. It's helping, it's helping, it's helping, it's helping, it's helping. <laughs> All right, then. Who's going to go with the Hitmas Maybe first on this one? Dude? Maybe. Matt? Oh, I'm sorry. I think it's a miss. Why are you sorry? I mean, I'm going to give it a miss as well, so you're not alone. But why are you sorry, Matt? 
Because I love Iceland. I love, honestly, I want them to win. I want to go and have an Icelandic Eurovision. I think that I've always impressed by the song quality of their national final, given their relative size. I just, yeah, I, I can't, I can't give it anything more. I'm sorry. It's a miss from you, Matt. And I'm going to hand it a miss as well, as I said there, Matt. It's just, it needs more variance for me. That's always been my personal opinion. I love my songs to have more variance rather than get up to the beat, stay steady. And that's a personal opinion. That doesn't make the song bad. It's just that it doesn't click with me. Everybody enjoys a different song at the song contest. And that, I think, is why we all love it. Absolutely. 100% agree. Right, uh, with that, we're going to move on to another song, though. Uh, we're going to carry on the discussions. We do this with all the songs, so do keep listening to us, subscribing, follow, link, like, love, the usual stuff, ESCinsight.com. If you've just stumbled over us, find us in your favourite podcast application or Spotify. And we will head on to song number three. We're going to go to Malta, our little island in the Mediterranean. It's dance, our own party, and the busker. I got my stereo, I play songs, you know But hey, wait, what'd you say? Do you wanna dance? Malta there and the busker which is a group so um that's going to be awkward straight off and a song with dance and uh then brackets afterwards our own party there's a lot going on in that naming convention and title there um and there's a lot going on in this song as well but it does kind of feel like it's a mixtape of the most viral moments of the Eurovision Song Contest. We've got Sunstroke Project in there uh, with their saxophones. We've got the driving beat of Benjamin and Grosso and the Miami Swedish hit machine. We've got, it's almost like they're asking, hello, we are Lake Malawi in Malta. Just doesn't quite gel for me. I love the song's innate contradiction in that it's about social anxiety and wanted to leave the party, hence why the bracketed term dance, our own party, close bracket. Um, you know, it's about getting home, putting on your comfortable sweater, because that's so much better. And uh, all, you know, dressed up in this funky little ditty that ironically is a toe tapper. So it's this contradiction of, I don't want to party, but I'm going to tell you this, um, as we party, out of the party to go home I, I don't know i just i just find that so adorable um this song has really grown on me since the first time i heard it it's really i just it's the energy i think i love the energy it's great showmanship despite it being slightly i don't know there is anxiety sort of sewn in of, with this but it's it's i think it's got great showmanship the lead the lead singer I'm so glad that Malta have gone for something with a bit of oof to it. I think we've lost that in recent years, being a bit polished, a bit shiny. And this has just got a little, yeah, funkiness to it. You can sort of grab onto it. I have not enjoyed this song since I saw it performed at the national finals. It is two minutes and 49 seconds. And yet for the performance at the national finals, they felt the need to break it down into a three-act structure. When you have to 
throw that at the song itself and it doesn't stand on its own, I think it says a lot about the weakness of the song. It's also very repetitive. It's two minutes and 49 seconds. It feels like it goes on a lot longer than that because we're getting the same beats over and over again. And as Ewan was saying earlier on, it does feel like they have some gimmicks and they've tried to smush it together into a song. Um, I'm an introvert. I have anxiety. This song doesn't resonate with me the same way that something like Introvert Party Club um, in the Czech selection did. So I feel like it's a three cute boys who were like, oh, let's try something fun on stage. And it is definitely not connecting with me. None of it felt fun. You know, that's, I, I look at this, I watch the staging, I listen to the video and it just, there's no fun. There's a lot of try hard. There's a lot of, oh, this will be good. Oh, this will be good. Oh, this will be good. But it just seems they're overcompensating. And there's, for me, this is such a frothy song. And there's, you know, I, I cut into it. I'd, I'd like to find something more in there, but I, I, I can't find it. I can't hear it. It's there for you. Great. It's not there for me. Yeah, I mean, despite everything I said, it's, um, it is a borderline qualifier for me. It's just that I just think it's, it, I like them. I've seen interviews of them where they've, you know, they're really sweet. They're very uh, into Eurovision. The lead singer also said that one of his favourite songs is Aminata, Love Injected, which I thought, well, that's a, for, for some of the generic answers you get from artists at Eurovision. That's that's a bit of a deep cut. Uh, but yeah, it's, it is borderline, but I think, it's if if the right run in order, it's uh, it'll go through. So I, for me, it's a maybe. Yeah, for me, it's a miss because I I think the song just it doesn't stand out enough. There's a lot of moments that are trying to go viral in it, but the whole thing doesn't quite gel for me. And if you're looking at some of the, um, again, coming back to authenticity, if you're looking at some of the other performers who are really coming at songs with a distinct and unique point of view, this doesn't quite match up to that. I mean, it makes great play of the sweater. I feel better in my sweater. But you're the year after Sam Ryder. Uh, the last 12 months since Sam came second in the Eurovision Song Contest has shown him to be the number one in the sweater game of Eurovision Song Contest. I'm not sure if the busker have got enough yarn to stitch themselves even into the podium in, in that contest. Like for me, it's a miss as well. It It's there. It's got a single musical phrase. It repeats it over and over again. It's just going dance, 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 end. And they don't even have any red shoes on. Miss. Right, okay, we are just past the halfway mark. As always, uh, you can leave your comments back at our website, www.escinsight.com. Other websites are available. Two of them will now be plugged for you. Oh. Yeah, Matt, this is the moment that you get to promote your <laughs> podcast and website again. I don't know, you're pointing at me. You said an angle. I was like, oh, it's like spin the bottle. Where, anyway. Um, <laughs> We're not playing spin the bottle at Jukebox. No. No. <laughs> Right, that's it. No, you're out. God, you don't get to promote anything. Secondary.vision. Uh, dude. Uh, I uh, run a blog called dudepois.fun, dudepoints.fun, um, and uh, it's reflecting my takes on Eurovision, um, which come from a feminist viewpoint. 
um, and often a slightly skewed viewpoint that you might get uh, from others. I like slightly skewed viewpoints. Every single one of my viewpoints is slightly skewed as well. Right then, okay, you can leave your comments. Uh, you can leave your hit misses and maybes. We're going to carry on. It is song number four in our lineup. It comes from the Netherlands, Burning Daylight from Mia and Dion. That was Burning Daylight um, by Dion and Mia, and I love this song. The first time I heard it, I thought, oh, this is obviously a Duncan Lawrence song. And um, as somebody who is more on the banger side of the spectrum, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. But after I've listened to it a few times, it has completely grown on me. Um, I think the voices are beautiful. Um, I love the fact that it's a duet. I love the subject matter about how you feel like you're in a rut with your life and, you know, things are going on around you. And and that end bit, the goodbye um, old life, where they kind of just burst out into something new. It's kind of showing there's something at the end of the tunnel after depression. So I am a huge fan of this song now, which is a complete surprise to me after, yeah. Yeah, look, speaking of Duncan Lawrence, you know, the songwriter, he's well known to us in Eurovision circles, of course. Um, he talks about the vocal blend between these two, which I find really interesting because these are two individual artists in their own right being brought together. And sometimes you're like, ooh, how, why is that then? Um, but he says it brought him in mind of Arcade, which I don't know if that's just PR speak, but he, he, I pick up on this vocal blend because I think he, he's right in that it works so well. You know, Dion has a, a sort of a softer, poppy of, voice than say like Chris Martin he reminds me of Chris Martin in the lower register Coldplay's Chris Martin um, and then Mia's got this sort of cursive voice or the umbrella term of cursive um, where you know you get those vocal fries and you have elongated diphthong sounds and just stuff like that and I think it just worlds together really well in a song which is actually quite it, you could take different interpretations I get that it's kind of more um maybe going through a breakup or have gone through a breakup and you've got to the end and it's you know it's jam-packed full of raw emotion and nuance anyone that's been through a, a tricky breakup knows it's never black and white it's always nuanced and this is what this song is about for me it's just hanging the hat on how difficult things are and then taking that baggage on with you to the next thing and accepting it for what it is and i, I love that message i love the fact we're back to interpretation again because i have a completely different interpretation as well i certainly take the bleakness that we have in this song and that can be depression that can be in breakup but i've actually seen that more as i've seen this more as a response to the pandemic and the lockdown the idea that you know everything's closed in the, the walls are there they're tight spaces tempers afraid you're stuck with people who you may not want to be stuck with and yeah we can have that with the relationship but it's the fact that they're just Okay, right, I'm going to go into the cinematics of the video here because I think this is important. Because I think this song was written at the same time as the staging was made. I don't think this is, write a song, how are we going to stage it? 
I think this has been done as a cohesive piece. So when you listen to just the audio, and the first time I, I found a song, I listened to just the audio. I'm like, there's nothing there. It's it's nice. It, it hits the beats. It's clinical. Uh, and then the music video suddenly goes, oh, this is a song that's meant to be seen, not just heard. And look at look at the richness of, of the music video. The fact that it amplifies the song. Look at the fact that faces change through simple camera moves, even though the physical point in space remains the same place. You have all these doors that you're walking through, doors through time, doors through stories, doors like windmills in your mind. And and then there's this return to an almost oubliette central grey room with multiple doors coming off of it. As if, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, you're going to end up back here as two single souls and then they break out together into light into the music number into the emotions we get a proper warmth that's been threatening to break through finally breaks through the fact that they're still indoors is just a nice little interesting twist that comes in at the end and i know that that is not going to be replicated on stage but i know in my heart they have something planned for the stage please don't let me down netherlands Please don't. I'm giving you a hit on the proviso that you give this one a home run out of the park. Yeah, I just a word on this. We've not seen a live performance. And if this was any other country, I would have big question marks. OK, but looking at what Netherlands have done recently, especially with Steen last year, even Duncan himself, actually, in, tw- in 2019, I feel they've got the expertise and know what they're doing to stage this. So it's a songwriter's song, I think, which in that I mean it feels like you're in safe hands, solid composition, well produced. But will it make you pick up the phone and vote? That's going to depend on how they stage it. And I believe I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that is a maybe for me. And it's like arcade. It's like, for me, like why would you pick up the phone to vote for Arcade. This is before we actually saw the staging. And I think it's the same here. It's just like, is there something there to make them pick up the phone? And in the modern day Netherlands, it's like, yeah, we we think you're going to do it. So I have two things about this. Matt, I find it really interesting that you referred to this as a breakup song, because for me, this is a song about falling in love. When we're listening to the parts of it, you kind of have Dion singing, then Mia singing, and it's a duet, but it's very separate until near the very end. And I feel like that's when they meet and the the meeting of that other person shakes them out of their old life. And that kind of goodbye old life where their voices mesh and mingle is about meeting your person and falling in love. So for me, I I come away with a wildly different interpretation. And I think how they stage that kind of two separate viewpoints coming together at the end, that could be a really powerful moment, especially because we don't have any other duets this year. We have a lot, we don't have many other ballads this year and the ballads we do have tend to be sad boys. So there's a lot of things which make this a distinct song and I cannot wait to see how they stage it. It's definitely a hit for me. 
Two hits and the maybe there for the Netherlands, sneaking it into the lead just ahead of Spain with its two maybes and a hit. We're one song to go. It's Serbia. It can push right into the top spot. It can force a tiebreak or it can sit with a silver medal. Let's find out. Serbia's look black up last. Samo Mise Spava. I'm just getting over with. The shine's out. The spouse looks at glory. And no, she's best sati. No, I'm Serbia's look black there with something, something, lobster, something. Matt. Well, look, Samamisa Spava. I'm not saying that young Luca is destined for the stage, but nothing screams earnest superstar like a teenager anglicising their first name and changing their surname to black because you mourn the death of the Serbian music scene. I just love that. I read that about him and um, I'm already intrigued to meet him and his lobster. Um, I am slightly baffled by this song, I have to say. I just, I, uh, what do I get from this? Um, the song has some pretty dark themes, I have to say, around the world being on fire and escaping through a permanent sleep. I don't know, something to be said there. But what I get from this, thankfully, is the escapism that comes with gaming and disconnecting from the world around you by connecting, if that makes any sense. Um, there's In the song, you heard it, there's, there's Game Over references and also Halo, which uh, is a, a big video game franchise. So you could you know, say that he's sort of like, I'm going to go with the more positive vibe of this song. Um, for me, it's escapism in a general sense. Um, my question about this is, what are we going to get at Eurovision? Because the national final performance visuals were, you know, opened with Luke emerging from a flower cocoon type thing, then unplugging his sort of Batman baddie dancers and all under the watchful eye of a robot overlord of the backdrop of his screen. I just, it's a bit all over the place. So I don't know what we're going to get. I, I think the bigger stage could actually be of benefit here. We have talked before um, over many years about the staging of Eurovision, how sometimes artists can get lost in the stage and how the camera work needs to work to decide. Where it, we mentioned it as well, actually, earlier in this episode. I think the isolation that you can get on such a big stage can actually play into the strengths here. There's some really good artistic options here. You've got a great big massive robot in the background. So the question of always is, is it a Michael Bay big smashy robot or is it a Guillermo del Toro big smashy robot? Because many interpretations are available. I'm I'm not... See, this is about the Netherlands. is just like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's going to work. Serbia, oh, we're not quite sure. But then we look back at Constructor last year and we're like, you're going to wash your hands? How's, how's that going? Oh, that's worked. Oh, that's worked very well. So it's. I find it curious that we haven't yet given Serbia the benefit of the doubt that we've given the Netherlands. Um. So first of all, for me, this is clearly a Guillermo del Toro robot Yay! because this is... Um, Luke Black is in the universe of Pacific Rim, 
um, where all the mechs are fighting. And he's one of the people in the city. He's just kind of waiting to be destroyed. And what do you do when you can't really do anything about that? You sit down and you sleep. You try to escape. You do. You game. There are various things. So, yes, it's definitely a Pacific Rim-style robot here. For me, Reset the clock! <laughs> the apocalypse is not cancelled, according to Luke Black. Um, but for me, this song is a very online song. So people who um, are terminally online are going to get it and they're going to love it. It feels like the entire song is a meme and is designed to be memed. Um, the the lobster, which doesn't actually show up that much in the song, although he's used it in all his press materials, um, the video game backgrounds, the emerging from the shell, all of these are things which are going to show up as, as gifts later on. Um, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I think it also reflects the... Um, this is fine meme that we have. Instead of sitting there drinking coffee while the world is burning, Luke Black is trying to sleep while the world is burning. This will resonate with a lot of people who are kind of dealing with five or six or seven years of absolute chaos going on in the world and the sense of things getting out of control. Um, so it is a huge hit for me. I don't know what to expect when I see Luke Black, and I really love that. It's an authentic voice at Eurovision. Yeah, look, my, my question mark remains over this. If they rinse and repeat from the national final, we could get a similar outcome to San Marino last year with Achille Lauro, who it was just everything and the kitchen sink and then another kitchen sink. And I, I worry about that. When I'm confused, I'm baffled. When I am confused, I go back to basics and... Do I skip this song on my playlist when it comes on? No, I don't. So it's got an interest there. So for that reason, I think it's a maybe. It borderline here, but it's a maybe for me. I think it's a maybe for me as well. But it is going to lead to one of my fun games when I get to Liverpool. Okay? Now, for those of you listening to the podcast, don't spoil this for anybody else, Okay. We have to get as many people as possible convinced that Luke Black's dad is Paul Oscar from Iceland. Because this is Minhinsty Dance take two. So the more people just say to us, oh yeah, yeah, it, it, it's Paul Oscar's son. And just, just leave it at that. Just walk away. It, it's interesting that you bring up Iceland because for me, this is actually cuddly hatari. This is um, kind of the cute version of what Hatri is singing about. There's that same kind of electro grind in the background, but it's um, it's kind of the experience of somebody where capitalism is coming and destroying everything, and they don't quite know what to do about it, so why don't they sleep? Yeah. And with that, we have our final scores. Serbia not quite doing enough. If you can remember the maths from before, that means the two hits and the maybe that went to the Netherlands have given them first place. It's a tie for silver. Uh, we're just going to leave that. You can both have silver, Spain and Serbia there, which means we can give both Malta and Iceland a bronze as well. There you go. Medals for everybody. It's almost like it's 1969. Okay, so we do have one final question that we traditionally ask here. I don't quite think we covered it, but let's go for it anyway. 
Can the Netherlands win the Eurovision Song Contest? No, I don't think it can. It can have a very credible place in, and it can be a launch pad for maybe these two artists across Europe a bit more than they are now. But winner of Eurovision? Nope. I love the song, but I don't think it can win in a year when you have Loreen coming back with a credible hit, um, and when you have other really intensely interesting acts out there. I I do think this question this year now might be better of, do you think that the Netherlands can manage second place? Because everybody's just going to be looking at Sweden and thinking, no, no, we've got 37 songs. There's going to be a contest. It is not over yet. Nobody has scored anything. Then they'll just have to do something absolutely spectacular to win. They don't yet have momentum, but we're very early in the sort of March, April season. That momentum could come up soon. But generally, I always feel that when you look back at Eurovision history, the songs that are going to do well have kind of already set out their stall in, in the community and are there. I don't quite think the Netherlands have that. I think they've definitely got a top 10. I think they could top five. And I think at a push, I could argue that this would make the podium. Um, but I don't think it has the legs to go any further than that, given though that they've they've run hosting and not hosting and all of the budgets. They're probably quite happy at that. Yeah, look, I, just on that common limits, you know, a Dutch duo who, you know, people didn't think much about them and suddenly they became second, third, 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 second, second. one of those two. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? Know. And and who, Ilse de Lange, it's not like she's mentored anybody else in Dutch Eurovision history either. Oh, wait. <laughs> wait, we've got, <laughs> we've got mentor on mentor inception at Eurovision. Oh. Avril Tross, are you sure about this? Right, there we go. Uh, that is Jukebox Jury, our little talk around some of the songs going to the Eurovision Song Contest here at ESC Insight. We will get through all 37 of them um, by the time rehearsals start, so stay with us. Jukebox Jury every week. We will have our news podcast keeping you up to date, mostly with what's going to be happening at the preview concerts. We will hear many of these songs performed live for the first time. We'll see what their stage presence is like outside of a TV studio and for those who are internal selections we are going to see everything uh, artistically on display and get a chance to see what they're doing but all of that is only done by the community and some of the community have been here to help me today so thank you Matt Baker thank have you. you have you worked out how to plug your podcast or even mention it yet yes so our website is <laughs> nope you're out of time that's the euphoria horn you Still not enough time to mention secondcherry.vision. And dude, you have time before the horn, quickly? Yes, it's dupepoints.fun. There's, I can only use the horn once per show. That, that's all I've paid for. So um, there you go, Matt. I spent my horn on you. Well, many men have said that, but... Um... <laughs> Sorry. I think we'll podcast. just play the guitars there, shall we? <laughs> This episode of Jukebox Jury was hosted by Ewan Spence with Dude from Dude Points and Matt Baker from Second Cherry. www.escinsight.com, patreon.com slash escinsight. Do review your songs safely. Other opinions are available.